0: The Game Schooler podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, is a weekly audio show that highlights the educational value of tabletop gaming. In this week's episode, we'll cover Power Failure, our recommended game of the week, discuss production probability in the school of gaming, and wrap it up with the high five abstract games. Alright, good afternoon. Uh, where's my stuff? Welcome to the Game Schooler Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Kotecki, along with my co-host, Dr. Michael McCabe. How's it going, Michael?
1: Going great, Doug. Where's your enthusiasm, man? I have a ton of enthusiasm. Right. ton
0: of it. <laughs> We've been um, working. We we've been working hard. Okay. So I've got some follow ups from last week. Bring it. The first one that I wanted to talk about was and they kinda lead into each other, but the first one was when we talked about Wingspan last yes. week. Yes. I went to Target later that night weekend. What? I don't remember. And the the MSRP for that is sixty dollars and ninety nine cents, I think. A okay. full regular price at a target. And a couple weeks back, we talked about the fifty dollar rule. Yeah, our stringent criteria and that type of thing. And so I wanted to point that out for people that have listened last week and like, guys, hypocrites. Yeah, yeah. An expensive game, and for me, and I'm sure Michael agrees with it. This game is such a unicorn of uniqueness that it warrants going over what our normal budget would allow. That it's worth the investment to add something like that to your classroom or your game closet. Yeah, and
1: I talked about it being a first ballot Hall of Fame game schooler game. I mean, it can sit on the shelf in your classroom. The other thing, game prices have gone up. Yeah. So when we initially reviewed this, I think it was right around 44 dollars. Yeah, it might have been fifty uh, right now na- yeah. topping out at that forty-nine ninety nine. So okay, so you beat yourself up
0: all week. Go ahead. Because honesty no. is is a big thing for you. And yeah. oh, that's yeah. good to, to clear that. And then which led to the idea of recently on the Dice Tower a couple weeks ago, they were talking about whether board gaming is an expensive hobby. Oh yeah. And they were kind of talking back and forth about stuff. And, it, and I think we've talked about it a little bit in the past when we've talked about how big your collection should be and, and stuff like that. And I just kind of want to throw it out there that there's two very different schools of thought when it comes to acquiring board games. Yep. And you don't have to have a giant collection. And the idea that spending 30 or $40 a month, for my family, that's almost a fast food Right. Excursion, you right. know. So if you're going to McDonald's, you're going to Culver's. Maybe you don't go to Culver's one time a week, and maybe those things become a little bit more affordable. And it's something that, um, you know, does not need to be an eight hundred dollar a month hobby. Well, and you and
1: I have talked about this before. Our target audience, if they are teachers, they may have a budget. Now, we can scoff and say, oh, you know, I get $150, I get $200. Well, but maybe you have a parent-teacher organization. Maybe there's a STEM grant. I mean, teachers are very creative at getting materials, and oftentimes people want to get materials into classrooms. Yeah. So that's where I look at it is – that. The games are are the materials for your classroom, the same way that books are. Yeah. Uh, or 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 material. If you're an art teacher, you know your markers, your paints, your brushes, all those things. Your clay. the the, the board games are your materials. So I think if if Wingspan, you know, we said is sixty dollars, you can find other games to go along with Wingspan and have a, a game schooling collection of of. Five to eight games for right around one hundred fifty dollars. I mean, yeah. you can find other 15 20, twenty-five
0: dollar games to go with that wingspan. Well, and you think about the amount of as we recently had open house for for our kids going back to school, and it's like you think about the amount of money that's spent on Kleenex or or other consumables yep. that are gone at the end of the year. Theoretically, you know, of course, if if people are taking care of the game and you're kind of keeping an eye out for it, that's something that's going to last from year to year. Um, I know in one of my daughter's classes, the, the teacher had um, uh, a couple of, they're like handprint cutouts, but you could take one and they were different things that they were looking for to add to the classroom. Yeah. You know, that, you could, the, yeah. You, yeah, that type of stuff. And so it's like, that's an opportunity too, that, you know, if you're a teacher, it's like, just put the feelers out that, hey, I want to get something like this for the, the classroom. And you might have a parent that's interested in stepping up. Can you up. imagine if you walked into
1: one of your kids' classrooms and on their want list was board games? How, much, would you, how many do you need? <laughs> what,
0: what? <laughs> I yeah. will be
1: uh, board game Santa Claus. But at the same time, we are the Game Schooler podcast, and we are a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, so w- we're biased. I mean— if it comes down to eating or buying board games, I think you board and I games. would both say <laughs> you, you got to, the first things first, right? Don't you get have to steak. Take care of your priorities. Doug, I'm trying to be serious here, man. You better move us along. <laughs> no, what,
0: what else do you have? Get the choice brisket instead <laughs> of the prime. No, no, obviously eating and taking care of your family is uh, most important. Although I would caveat that there are a lot of games that are very inexpensive. We're going to be talking about one today that provides a huge bang for your buck that, you know, you don't need to buy $50 games too. Yeah. You know, you're talking, there's a lot of value under $20 uh, that we've talked about in the past. So there's a lot of options out there um, for you to get involved in game schooling without having to be invested in the hobby a thousand percent yeah. and following every turn and worrying about every new game. You know, we talk about a lot of games and our recommended games and our uh, high five list and and games that pop up in the school of gaming. And I want to say that the idea is not that you go out and buy every one of these games or buy every game that piques your interest. You know, just uh, variety is a slice of life and we're trying to show that, you know, Maybe out of the 100 games we talk about, there's two that interest you. Go get those two. Well, and you part know?
1: of what we're doing here, we try to review and vet games so that people don't have to do that work themselves. Yeah. We, we're very conscious that you may have a $100 budget for the entire school year. So we want to make sure that we're giving sound advice and yeah. setting you up for success. I have one quick thing to wrap up on yeah, next week. Yeah. You can edit it out or on last week. I will never. Okay. Uh, Wingspan I, I gotta give a shout out To Nick P Out there Who we called before Did he Did I write down His daughters are Eight and ten And he's playing Wingspan with them Yeah Cause my nine year old And twelve year old About punched me in the mouth Dad I, I, of I, the year I, I tried to play Wingspan You know after, Again after You know mm-hmm. So I taught it They weren't They weren't playing A 12-year-old, she's a young ornithologist in training. I mean, she loves birds, so she'll play that game any day of the week. But my 9-year-old, nope. There's 10 other games she wanted to
0: play. So I just— We're working on a plastic trophy to give him for achievements in daddom (laughs) and game schooling. Yeah, we've got to give him (laughs) some—maybe
1: the golden goose that you get for mini golf, we can find something like that for him. I wouldn't dare dream of giving that
0: away. Well, that just leads into a whole other topic that— in the board gaming community, a lot of times folks will, and and Nick certainly wasn't doing this, but bragging about, you know, oh, my yeah. my five year old can play a four hour game, economic engine building game, uh, that requires exponential calculations and all that type of thing. And it's like, this hobby is not about gloating at what your kids do, and 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 some kids pick up stuff faster. Yeah, and. You know, there's some games that might be complicated that Michael's kids can't play, and there's some games that Michael's kids play that maybe my kids don't pick up on. So uh, don't let that be a thing either. Yeah, um, it was
1: just a good teachable moment for me that it's not always age. Some yeah. of it is context. Interest. And, and interest, yeah. Yep. yeah.
0: All right, cool. So let's move on to the recommended game of the week.
1: The Recommended Game of the Week is a family-friendly game we think you should add to your collection, and it passes our stringent criteria for quality and content. This week's game is Power Failure by Artana. Doug, give us the stats.
0: Well, it was published in 2021, so it's pretty old. The designer is Tao Tao Chen, Yen Lin Chen, Zhuan Zhu, Anki Zheng, and the art is by Shai Li Masha Tasse, Will Meadows, and Sarah Lafser plays two to four players, about 45 minutes to play, ages eight and up. All right. So according to the publisher, crank up the voltage in power failure, an electrifying card game in which you race to build the most productive grid, up to four players compete to meet rising demands by acquiring resources, building power plants, and activating them to uh, generate energy. Power production is inherently volatile, though, as rash individuals risk environmental catastrophe that set everyone back. The player who provides the bustling city with the most megawatts wins. Power failure is a tableau-building dexterity game of energy production. Players take three actions on their turn to build and use different kinds of power plants. Depending on their actions and the type of plants they operate, they'll be forced to stack blocks on the carbon tower, risking consequences for everyone when the tower falls. Players must manage risk while racing to complete energy contracts. This game is brand new, uh, just came out recently. Um, it's been on Amazon for as low as $88. Yeah. The MSR 778
1: is what I got it for.
0: The MSRP is 14.99. I checked the other day it was 12.99, but even at $14.15 this game is it's awesome. It's fantastic. So As the the description said, you've got three actions. You can add new cards to your hand. You can play action cards from your hand. Or you can fire the power plants that you've built. Every time you build a power plant from your hand, there is uh, coal, natural gas, uh, nuclear, and green energy in the form of solar plants, wind plants, and hydroelectric. So every time you build a plant, it's going to cost carbon. You're going to take a carbon cube and put it on the carbon tower. Then... Um, you can uh, play action cards, select action cards. If you have more than six cards in your hand and you try to take another card, you're going to have to add more pollution and add to the carbon tower. Eventually, you're going to want to fire your power plants. That power plant is usually going to, coal, for example, is going to require a a card and you're going to be putting a lot of carbon on the carbon tower. Natural gas... You can spend natural gas cards to power your plant, but you're going to put a little bit of carbon on there. If you fire your nuclear plant, it's not going to leave a carbon footprint, but it's expensive. You need the uranium. You need the plutonium. You need a lot of cards to make that plant fire off. And then the green power, the green energy, is based on a card that's revealed on the supply deck um, of, of action cards that you can acquire. And that's going to range from one... zero zero one or two which is interesting because that card determines that number determines what power your green energy gets so if it's a zero you're not producing any green energy that time the wind wasn't blowing the sun's not out um so that's kind of a brief overview you're going to be uh, producing power which then allows you to acquire city cards that are looking for a certain amount of of wattage and and power consumption That kind of it, that the nutshell, yeah. I love what this design team has done. I I just think it's a
1: fantastic game in terms of $15 in a box. Um, I I have not unboxed a game that has this much in it for that amount since Sushi Go. I mean, that it where I just feel like, how did I get this big, this thinky, this crunchy. This tactical of a game for $15. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love how e- every turn I feel like there's one more action that I want to take. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I can't. I'll have to wait until next turn. But then the whole board and marketplace is going to shift. So Yeah.
0: The, yeah there, you captured that well. There's so much that's happening. I mean, to me, I, I love for such a simple game, the thematic connections in this one are so strong. You know, and the, it's not a game where green energy is the be-all, end-all. Sometimes it doesn't yeah. work. You know, it. Well, do, explain it,
1: that. Why doesn't it work? Tell people what happened. The very last game that I was playing, where I was loaded with nuclear and
0: green energy. He had green energy, and and if that card that's revealed shows a zero, it's not producing anything. The wind isn't isn't shining. The sun's or the sun's not shining. The wind's not blowing, and your wind turbines aren't firing. So
1: when the marketplace is set and there are six cards in the marketplace, the next card to go into the marketplace that's face face down has a number on it, zero, one, or 2. On the back. On the back. And there's not any way to manipulate that except for one action card that comes up. I think there are two of them in the entire deck. So if I'm loaded with green energy but there's a 0 on that card... That nothing's going to happen now. If there's a two on that card and I'm loaded with green energy, I might be able to purchase a city card just by surviving the turn. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of of luck that's that's in it. Well, that's that's fun though, too.
0: The coal power plants they're cheap, they're very cheap to operate, but they do a lot of pollution. And every time you're stacking those cubes on there, it is tense because if you, if the tower falls over, your turn ends immediately. So if you were trying to build a power plant, the power plant doesn't get built. It goes back into your hand and everybody has to discard a card. Everyone at the table, not just you, if you knock it over. So that happens every time you're building a power plant. If you're firing off a coal plant, you got to add three cubes for every one that you fire and you can stack them up. So I may have four coal plants in front of me. I could fire them all off at once by discarding four cards. But if I don't have, there's a special card in there. It's a carbon capture card that allows you to ignore that carbon you footprint. Enjoy. Yes. You, otherwise, I'd be putting 12 cubes on in a single turn to try and get that, that power. And if it falls over in the middle trying to fire off my, my coal plant, I'm not earning any power. I'm not producing any power. Why don't we tell people about the tower? I don't think we've talked enough about that. So it's they're they're hexagonal uh, gray Great word Doug. cubes that then you're stacking on top of each other every time that you need to add carbon. So that's anytime you're building a power plant or every time you're firing off a coal plant or a natural gas plant, you're gonna add carbon. And it what happens if the tower falls? Everybody at the table has to discard a card. Your and turn that, ends immediately. And that's that's
1: the part that I really when I play I find myself I don't want to add a carbon to the tower yet so I'm going to take these two actions first and yeah. the last thing I do will result in me adding this carbon because your turn ends immediately.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that can be catastrophic depending yep. on what you're what you're trying to do so you're usually waiting to to fire off your power plants at the end of your turn trying to find special cards that limit the pollution that, that's provided. So there's so many you know, and even like the nuclear, the nuclear doesn't add carbon, but it's yeah. expensive and In order to get the cards in your hand to fire off all your plants, you need to add carbon because you're accumulating more resources, yeah, so it's just all around thematically there's and and throw in a dexterity element, you know that tension of when I'm going to add carbon, and everybody's kind of waiting like nobody wants to be the person to tip it over because. Then once that stack goes back down to the bottom, people, you know, if there's nothing on there, I wouldn't have a problem maybe stacking 12 cubes on. You know, that's easy.
1: (laughs) Well, I know we're going to get into our skills, but this is the first game that we've ever reviewed out of 37 recommended games of the week where precision and balance are present. I I have those in my top five, and I'll talk more about it in a minute. And as that tower goes up... The tension goes up. So even passing those cubes across the table, it's like, oh, here are your three little tokens. Take your turn. I don't want to knock over the tower. Yeah, don't breathe yeah. too heavy.
0: Yeah. Um, and it seems like there's more game in the box than you would think.
1: Say more about that.
0: You know, it's it's a small footprint. It's probably, what, 50 cards, 50, 60 cards maybe that make up the game, 60 cards, some some gray cubes. but geez there's a lot of game in here that you're going to be able to come back to and try different strategies and i've i've gone both routes i've tried uh uh green with coal i've tried nuclear or uh natural gas and and a little bit of of green and you know there's all the different combinations that and that that unpredictability of the carbon tower yeah just adds that great tension in the but game. But I
1: think this game rewards efficiency. Yeah. And everything, the box, I mean, just looking at the box, was it like four inches by five inches? Yeah. you know, And just how everything's laid out in, in, in the box, but it's clean. Mm-hmm. The, the the rule book's great. The directions are great. Everything, the, the setup time is less than three minutes. But if you're, you know, the game that we just played, I was always had extra what are they points or what what are they when i uh, when you go to buy a city what your oh, energy, do you have energy? You, you, i always pro- had extra energy produced
0: energy extra energy that you could not spend
1: right so it, i'd have 13 well there's a card for 9 and a card for 15 yeah you know those are my options and having that it didn't allow me to optimize and to pull two city cards like like you were able to do, right? Yeah. 24, I'll just pull these two city cards. And here I am with only nuclear and green thinking, I should be doing better. Well, it was difficult to yeah. fire off nuclear.
0: Yeah, you got to... green just wasn't
1: happening that round. Yeah, you
0: really have to plan on when to make your move. Yeah. You know, that, and when's a holding round, when, you know... When does another city card come out that I might be able to produce enough energy to take two of them in a single turn? All those things are kind of in play in a game that says 45 minutes, which I think is, if you've got more players, there's there's a little bit of thinking of, okay, the order of operations, how am I going to do that type of stuff? Um, and this is publisher is by Artana, which I think is owned by Genius Games, which Genius yeah. Games is... Known for creating games that can be used in a classroom. classroom. Genius Games does games that have uh, scientific backing in the construction of them. And you can see it here the same way that the the power plants function the way that they would in, in real life. My only nitpick about this game is that I think it's going to be overlooked. I don't think this is going Boy, to... that's a
1: tough nitpick, man. Just to say that it may not become popular enough, that's your nitpick? Yeah, that, yeah. It's, that it's out yeah. there. That I'm it's just, not picking it's, on you or your it's, nitpick. It's I'm a just...
0: shame that this probably won't get the traction that that a great little game like this should. Well, with 3,500
1: games coming out a year, I hope that our episode can do something to raise a profile of it because this is a fantastic game. This yeah. is a game that I will bring with, with us to a restaurant. And I'm not going to throw it in my quiver with 14 other games. This is a game where I'll say say to my wife, hey, um, can you just throw this in your purse? Or I'll just walk in to the restaurant with it. It's, It's a game that also brings some very difficult conversations to the table. You want to get into science and you want to get into economics and you want to get into ethics and maybe even a little bit of politics and religion you could go there if you wanted to with it. Now you yep. and I haven't and we've played the game twice, but I think it opens it opens up the potentiality for conversations around the power grid.
0: Yeah, and you, I th- you don't have to go there, but I think you could go there. Well, and the nice thing about the game is that in in my opinion, it gives everything a fair shake. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't play sides. Yeah. This isn't uh uh yeah, you know, I I don't know what the best way to describe it, but it's not one that's it's not political. that's trying to push an agenda one yeah. way or the other. It is an it's scientific. Ac- it's an accurate representation of our current power grid and kind of how that functions. And that's one of the things that I appreciate it because it so easily could have gone in either direction. Yeah, of you know, and and certainly we have games from uh, that uh, represent the industrial age and are talking about. You know, coal plants, and you're just getting rewarded for just sending gobs and gobs of pollution into the air. And then there's other games where it's green is the only option, you yeah. know, and this one's the only option to win. Yeah this, yeah. this one doesn't take a side. There are viable paths, any, any you know, several ways.
1: Yeah. I, th- this same design team did another game, Power On, which I know mm-hmm. nothing about, but I kind of want to play now. And it's just, I, I I will be looking to see what they do in the future simply from a, a game schooling um perspective. If we were ever brought in to consult, facilitate, run a camp, do any of those things, this is one of the five games I would throw in my backpack. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't have to put this in the cart. This does it looks, it, so, isn't Yep. Yeah, go ahead. This, Sorry. No. Sorry,
0: I just wanted to interrupt you that power on is just a re implementation. I wondered. Is the initial version. And was. this was
1: so power failure is built off of power on. Is yes. that, okay yeah. great?
0: Yeah, it was a is re implemented. Um, uh, it's a publisher in Taiwan okay. that did that. Um awesome. Well I
1: there there are so many great games that don't even get to the states. And yep. so I'm just I'm grateful that this one did. And when I played it over here for the first time, and you said Amazon's got it on sale right now for under $8. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm getting a little off topic here, but here's what I'm saying this is a game that I would take into a classroom and feel good about leaving in the classroom. Mm-hmm. There are other games where that would pain me because yeah. the size of the game and the cost of the game. I'm sorry, if I'm substitute teaching tomorrow, I'm not leaving behind Wingspan. I'm probably not taking Wingspan in. Selfishly, that is my Wingspan, and you need to wash your hands and put some gloves on before you play it. Yeah. But this is a game that that's very relaxing to play and is one that I would feel good about leaving behind because I think the people who play it, you're learning science, and critical thinking just by playing. We should get to the skills, yeah, man. I think w- our love fest of power failure is coming to an end here. <laughs> I don't have any nitpicks. I think that's a provocative nitpick. If I can get away with making that statement that you brought up of, it might get overlooked. So Genius Games, you got to pump this thing out, man. Get a second version or second printing going. And oh, it's the First printing just came out. We don't we need go. to go there rush go. into a sec- oh, second just printing. A, just attacking your nitpick a little yeah. bit.
0: Um, all right, so core skill that I've got is a decision-making, Ooh. a game that allows students to make decisions based on currently or previously available information. Uh, when Michael talked about the efficiency and making sure that you're planning your move on the right time, is do I want to take an extra card? Um, and this goes hand-in-hand with risk management, which you know is going to be in there, is a game that students must identify, evaluate and prioritize options to reduce the impact of unfortunate events or risks. It's like how, can I get away with firing off my coal plant? Do I keep investing in green energy when it may not pay off? You know, when's the right time to do certain things? Do I build a power plant and and you know that's going to cost some carbon? So all of those decisions in the risk management are so important and integrated in this game that it does such a fantastic job with that. So you had risk
1: management and decision-making as your core skill. Those are the two that you uh, Core
0: skill is decision-making. Risk management is is not in every game, but certainly in this one. Got it.
1: All right, my core skill to bring to this the table to just highlight is comprehension, um, a game that requires players to perceive and understand concepts, ideas, functions, how the game works, rules and mechanisms the inaction reflection to say wait a second i'm not going to activate my coal right now because i'll have to add to that huge tower that's growing i'm going to first take an act or i'm going to first uh, pick up a card so that that's at least in my hand then i'm going to add the coal that level of comprehension i think is in
0: the gameplay well, and here's, you know, talking about comprehension, I just remembered this, too, is another added bonus, is that almost all of the cards have a fact yeah on, oh, written yeah. on the bottom of them, you know, and so, so, for example, here's a nuclear power plant, virtually no carbon emissions, but generates radioactive waste, you know, so it's highlighting that type of thing. Um, even the, the hydroelectric plant, construction usually disrupts the ecology of waterways involved, you know, so it's, these are honest things here um coal power plants single largest source of greenhouses greenhouse gases globally so it's telling you on the cards yeah you know there's another layer of comprehension uh of almost a little term paper in, in the this, cards in this yeah deck that's a cards. good point but even
1: in the gameplay uh
0: you know you, you have to know what's what's happening with that uh, all right, another one I have is strategic thinking. I have that as well a game that encourages students to develop a process or long term strategy for accomplishing a goal. You need to be thinking several turns ahead in this game you can't just you know fly by the seat of your pants. you need to have a plan of when what you, does that term mean fly by the seat of your pants you 've never done that before no oh it's invigorating okay I did okay. <laughs> um, so you can't you can't just Go with the flow. Yeah. You need to figure out okay when's the best well, time you to can, activate. But you're going to get whooped. Yeah. When's the best time that I can activate my power plants? When, if you've got green energy, you see that that it's a turn that your green energy is going to uh, produce energy. Yeah. Then you like might want to think about activating your other power plants. So I,
1: I think it's a a strategic thinking that if you can stay two turns ahead, you're going to have an advantage. I the last game we played, I came into it. I'm going to do nuclear and green and just see what happens. And I was a little rigid in my strategy. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the natural gas. I didn't get the coal, as I've tried in other other games. And uh, so I agree with you that the strategic thinking is in the game, but you can't be so rigid. Uh, otherwise, the other person's going to be able to take advantage of, of the rigidity. Yeah, yep. Um. Do you have resource management? I do, of course. I, all right, I do as well. And that's a game that boosts a student's capacity to efficiently and effectively oversee available assets. How do you have that? How do you see it?
0: Well, I think you know, for every every power source outside of green energy, it's going to cost you cards. Yeah, you know, and and the nuclear is the most expensive, natural gas a little bit less, and Coal is the cheapest. Well so what happens if you take if one of your actions
1: what happens if you draw a seventh card into your hand? You're adding carbon. You're adding a so carbon. You've gotta sh- you've gotta, so you gotta you manage to man- that. Manage. manage Yeah.
0: You're managing your cards the way that they function in your hand for special abilities to actually run your power plants. You need the fuel source. Yep. Right. And that's where it comes down to the nuclear power is powerful it doesn't produce carbon emissions it's hard to come by you yeah, know you can't just pick plutonium up off of the, the game. Street.
1: you know that managing the the hand management and firing off these little power plants so that i can actually purchase a city card th- that's fun yeah. and not all of the games where there's resource management is that the fun part of the game? Yeah. Well you know, the we don't typically say, well, some of
0: that intern bookkeeping, that's actually fun. <laughs> yeah. Well you can have ten cards in your hand, and sometimes it's worth it to add add four cubes to the, the carbon tower to get yeah. that extra yeah. fuel. It depends how big the, the You know, tower and, is. and everybody's yeah. kind of waiting for that. And that's uh, leads into one, another uh, skill that I have, which doesn't come up a lot. How many but I, skills do you have here, Doug? Don't worry about it. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I got honorable mentions now. <laughs> um, the, one of the, This doesn't come up in a lot of games, but I think this game does a really good uh, job, and it fits into the, the strategic and the decision-making, which is patience. Yeah. It's a game that helps students remain calm and better tolerate delays. There's times where you have to have set-up turns and set-up for next round. It's not about this round all the time. There's things that you're doing to try and avoid the carbon towers, so somebody else knocks it over so it doesn't ruin your turn. Yep. You know, those type of things where it's not about just coming out of the gate flying. You need to, there's a slow burn to this that um, is not found in other games. Right. Normally it's get as many points as you can right out of the gate. And this one, it's like, no, it takes time to build up your infrastructure, which is your power the grid. Yeah, yeah, which is true to the theme, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: And we, and the, the other way where that comes in, that patience, is if you have a lot of green cards waiting, because eventually a one or a two will pop up and you'll be able to get paid for them. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I have two skills left, and first time I've ever read the definitions and recommend a game of the week for these two skills together. They are physical skills. Balance. i got one, yep. A game, a balance is a game that strengthens a student's capability to keep or put something in a steady, Position to prevent falling. My goodness, this game meets that definition to the letter. And I also have precision—a game that rewards students for being exact and accurate with fine motor skills. Yep. So, the last game we played, it was kind of bad moments in setup. You start with the three carbons, hmm. and the the second one, it was as if somebody did a crooked Jenga tile on the bottom. The second one, I kind of had a little crooked, and I said to Doug, "Do we adjust it? No,pe. You gotta leave." It and we went all the way up, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do
0: not play this with grandma and grandpa. You might, <laughs> hey, I yeah. think you should. <laughs> well, that's on a your, wild card. On your grandma and grandpa, I guess <laughs> could huh? be a, it could be a wild card, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I've got that too. It's a great, great game, and not something that comes up in a lot of games, and certainly not one you know. De- there are a lot of dexterity games, games where you're flicking things, stacking yeah. things, but normally those games don't have the skill development on the back end, right? You know, it's m- all about balance. It's all about precision and nothing to do with any sort of decision making or strategizing. So the fact that this combines both of them is is somewhat unique. Well, and just be aware of it if you do have a fine motor issue, yeah, if,
1: if you if you have shaky hands or if, if you're playing with somebody who, who does have ALS or something like that, you know, offer to stack the carbon for them. Uh, it's not something that is, I think, at the detriment of the game. It only adds value uh, to to the game.
0: Well, and there's strategy in there. There's the um, carbon capture. Is that what it's called? Carbon capture cards um, that allow when you, you negate it. Yeah, yeah, allow you to avoid having to put that on there. Doug's favorite card. Yeah, well, and I don't think you only got it every single time you had coal. But keep going. Strategy, Michael. Keeping an eye out for it. <laughs> This is also a game too if if you do have those fine motor skills. I don't think it's a game that is going to um derail because of it. Yeah. If you happen to f- to to knock it down more frequently than somebody that's else. Right. Yeah, it's affecting yeah, that's what everybody I was getting at, at, at the table, you know. It's a it's a a community thing. It's happening bad to everybody. Everybody has to adapt to that. And I think that could make it a very interesting game. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly you might have if you've got hyper competitive kids that are getting mad every time, but I think if you if you go into it with a, a open minded and um, a compassionate point of view, well, it's going to be fun. The like,
1: tower aspect's fun. Yeah, like it has that little bit of what makes Jenga fun is yeah. in this game of oh, who's going to knock over the tower? Oh, yeah. I hope it's not me. I hope it's you. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: That's all I've got, man. That is all I have too. So power failure. It's a great game. Uh, encourage you to check that out.
1: Shout out to Genius Games for bringing it over, if, if that is accurate. Um, but whoever did and made sure that I could get
0: it in my home for under $8, man. Bravo. Less than a DiGiorno pizza, Doug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to say that this is an expensive hobby, a game like this throws that one right out of the window, right? Yep. All right. So that is Power Failure by Artana and Genius Games.
1: school of gaming in the school of gaming we discuss concepts keywords etiquette and helpful ideas in the world of gaming and education this week we'll be talking about game schooling in action production probability
0: all right this is a pretty exciting uh School of Gaming for me. You I don't got know your about papers you. Papers
1: rustling over there, like mm. we're on Jim Rome. Go ahead, yeah, I get got him, Doug. We got get 57 pages, <laughs> him, single, uh, single
0: spaced. I'm single spaced. I'm going to read them all for you. Tell them about it. Um, we are releasing a Game Schooler Notebook, okay? And a Game Schooler Notebook is something that you guys we we got to the point where we want to give our listeners something that they can actually use in the classroom, something that they can add on and enhance their game instead of just talking about the idea of game schooling. We want to put that in action. Yep. Now, we've all, you know, said from the very beginning that the games we're talking about can develop skills and increase social interaction just by playing the game. You don't need right. anything extra. It is essentially the textbook of of that lesson. But this is just something that brings it to the next level. That you can have your kids work on and kind of tie some of those concepts together, and and bring some subjects and re- subjects and skills together. Yeah, really focus and and you know we talk about when you're doing uh, teaching subjects, the idea of tracking and seeing how their progress is. This is where you're going to see your kids develop those skills and those critical thinking skills. Yeah, so um, we've created a lesson,
1: and we've created quite quite a few projects actually. Uh, and um, you know, when we started Game Schooler, we had several of these that were behind a paywall. And what we're doing now, we're we're starting to freely give them away because we think they're great, yeah. and we we think that they belong in classrooms. And so. Um, this, this one that we're going to feature today is on a pretty popular board game. I don't know. I've, I'm not sure very many people have heard of this one, but probability is something that we've all had to do at some point in time. Typically now it's a seventh grade math class. It's pre-algebra and you can hear the groaning right now from the students. (laughs) It's often a springtime, uh, a, a lesson and unit in, in classrooms across the country, but
0: that, that's not what we're talking about. What are we really talking about, Doug? So this is for the game Catan, a small, unpopular, hidden gem of a game that you Settlers probably... Settlers of Catan in my house. But... Probably have never heard of. Yes, it used to be Settlers of Catan. Branding change made it into Catan. So hopefully nobody gets <laughs> lost in that uh, uh, transition between title names. But this is all about production probability in the game of Catan Dice are being rolled on every player's turn that is producing goods throughout the island, and this notebook, this production probability notebook, is going to help your kids develop critical thinking, strategic thinking, and communication in articulating their thoughts. Um, and it's going to give subject exposure to math, statistics, and language arts. So what the way this is kind of works, so I'm just going to just go break it down yeah, for you. Yeah, tell them how it's set up. Is yeah. We start out with some pre-project questions, some pre-game questions, like which, you know, what do you think are the most and least commonly rolled results from two to six-sided dice? Like, what are they thinking before the game even starts? Yep, you're so we're rolling to do two a dice. quick checking for understanding. Yep, uh, and then how do you decide where you're going to place your settlements at the start of the game? You can put them anywhere. Um, how do you determine where to place new ones as the game comes on? And why do you think the designer chose a result of seven to activate the robber? So you're getting some initial indication of where your, your kids are at to start. Then we're going to have them fill out a chart of all the possible die results that you can get from rolling two dice, two yep. six-sided dice. They fill in the chart. They're going to figure out which ones statistically are more common, commonly rolled, um, how many different results you can, you can possibly get. They're going to graph that out. They're going to figure out, oh, geez, the sevens are getting rolled a ton. Why is that? Um, And and they're actually going to have an opportunity here to figure out what that percentage is, the percentage that you're going to roll. um, That's all laid out for them in a, in a, a sheet. Then they're going to take that and tally it throughout the game. Right. So every time a result gets rolled, every time the dice are rolled, they're going to track how often those results are coming up and see if the actual results come up to the theoretical results and comparing those, taking all of that data, making a graph on it, and then figuring out what, to, what the, the probability was during their actual game play, play. and then they're going to take both of those. They're going to take what the theoretical is, what happened in the game, and then strategize and think critically about yep. how those things mesh. And, and re-ask some of those same questions that we asked before the game, see if their answers are changing as they learn about how that works. So, this is going to guide you from a post-game, a pre-game activity, a, an in-game activity, a post-game activity that's going to help your, your, your students play Catan better understand how the game is functioning i love
1: how you led with play goddamn.
0: well better. that's the most important <laughs> they're going to
1: develop skills and have an understanding of math and probability you're yeah. killing it doug i just yeah. love how you went there man that's so good well i mean this, let's t- this focus this on the important things will, this notebook will create better gamers it, it, but talk about bringing math to life and and you talked about before, during, and after game, I, and I'm I'm not trying to, to break your routine no. rhythm here, but jump on in. I, I really like what we've put together with this notebook, and if you are teaching probability or if probability is a skill that you want your kiddos to have, check out our notebook. And if if you don't have the game Catan, just go to the People's Republic of Facebook and ask somebody who does because this game is so available, there is somebody in your neighborhood or region that will let you borrow that copy. Yeah, in your... uh, You will be able to find this game, and that's one reason why we're giving away uh, this notebook. And probability, probability is a skill. It's not just something that that is siloed to a 7th grade math class. If if you... Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, that's an interesting point, and I think what it is is the, the skill comes in is... Using the probability in action. Yeah. I and mean, we can talk about statistics. You can have your kids do do math problems and statistics. And this is one of the unique things about game schooling is now you can put it in practice. They can use what they've learned. They can use those probability skills to figure out where they want to move. And it happens, you know, it, it gives well, you that sandbox you, to
1: experiment. Can you imagine walking into a classroom with 12 to 16 year olds and having them chuck dice and tally and go over the results? This is something that it could be a lot of fun. Yeah. And so, I, if you bring this into your classroom, if you could take a little picture or video or let us know, especially if you see an area where we could improve it, uh, we, we'd love, love to hear. Uh, how you're using this in your classroom, and, and if your classroom is at home, I mean, tell us how how you're using it in the classroom, library, after school program, all those places that we've talked about. But
0: yeah, I think that's one of the most unique. you know when you're talking about skill development, you have in order to develop skills, you have to be doing it. Yeah. You can talk theoretically about stuff until you're blue in the face, but until you're actually put in the position to actually use that skill, it doesn't mean anything. Right. And that's what something like this does is it takes it from the, the page and puts it into uh, an experience for your students to actually get that practice. Um, and this is another thing, too. Michael said to, to give us feedback, let us know how it works for you. But more importantly, share it with anyone. Yeah, yeah. You Forward know, it, give it away. There's, there's no strings attached. We're going to be releasing these, uh, we're thinking about every other week, we're hoping to have something like this, but get it out there. Catan's yeah. a popular game, and if you have any teachers that you know that play games, if you have gamers that have been looking for something to integrate with their kids or, or add a little bit, you know, justification of why they've gamed with their kids, right? spread it out there as much as you can, we encourage that, uh, you know, and, and get them tuned on to this podcast let them know that this content is going to be coming and it's available. Uh, and anything you can do to help us with that and, and spread our mission here is, is going to go a long way. Well, and
1: I can't wait to hear the stories. You know what the most fun about probability is, Doug? What's that? When it doesn't come true. Yeah. That, that, if enough people play this notebook, we'll hear about the kid that had the, the twos and the twelves payoff, right? And the yeah. kids who were the fives, six, and sevens just didn't work. It's, it's like, like my brother. Like, br- like your brother, or I was going to go to Giannis in the in, in the, in the, not to offend any Phoenix Suns out there, but go Bucks, go Bucks and six when, when Giannis hit 16 out of 17 free throws in game six to clinch it, right? Yeah. That guy's not supposed to do it. Probability would say that he's going to make eight or nine of them. But where, where probability is fun, there's a
0: fun factor in this, yeah. is when it's not going the way that it's supposed to. Like when my brother was <laughs> about to flip the table and got so angry that the sixes weren't coming up and complained and that there <laughs> needed to be cards and it needed to be perfect information and probability. Those are things, those are great, great discussions that you can have um, with your, your kids and your students.
1: I think it's great that I've never met your brothers in person, but after doing the podcast for 37 episodes, I know which brother you're talking
0: <laughs> about. No. The, uh, so you're, you're going to be, we're going to have a post on gameschooler.com. Yep. You can find it there. We're going to be uploading it to Board Game Geek. Uh, a couple other teacher resources, but for sure it will be on gameschooler.com. Yeah. Um, so you can find it there. And we're going to put it probably up in the tools tab, uh, that there'll be a, a tools tab there for, well, for GameSchooler notebooks. It'll be put out on
1: our social media channels yep. as well. And the link is static. It's not going to change. So once it's on our website, um, share it, put it out there, and let us know what we can do to improve it. Uh, and, and especially if you are enjoying it, we, we'd love to hear about it. I, I know folks do have copies of Catan in schools, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, so we're looking forward to, to where this develops and, and happy to be giving you guys tools to to put game schooling in action and give you that extra little push out the, the door and to get rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is the School of Gaming. Let's move on to the high five, if that's okay with you, Michael. Let's get after it. Well, if you're anything like us, you have problems. But you're constantly on the hunt to try out new games. This week's High Five includes a top five list of family-friendly abstract games. We talked about abstract games last week, so we're going to follow that up with the, the High Five on that. Um, I wanted to get a brief description of abstract games to kind of remind everybody from last week. Of course, just go back and listen to last week's episode. Would solve that problem, but you'll hear about meat sweats. Yeah, for the for the lazy folks, uh, abstract strategy games are often, but not always, themeless, without a storyline, built on simple or straightforward design and me- mechanics. Uh, perfect information games, games that promote one player overtaking their opponents, and little to no means of luck, chance, or random occurrence. So it's going to be an interesting list. I'm what do you I, have, Doug? I'm curious to see if there's any blowback on this one, but uh two um honorable mentions. First one is Santorini, Ah. which is a interesting game about uh gosh, how would you even describe this one? Uh Santorini is about putting little people on uh little meeple, little plastic characters are climbing up buildings. I see a
1: Santorini, um, New York at Barnes and Noble and on different. Yes, shelves. that's a new
0: one that came out. I'm very interested in in that one.
1: I'm I'm interested that you're interested in. Uh, it. You should definitely add that to your collection.
0: <laughs> what What else? Um, uh, yeah, you move, build, and you're trying to. If If one of your builders reaches the third level, you win. Um, the second one is Dragon Castle, which is a tile placement game of different symbols kind of loosely loosely yeah. based on Mahjong tiles, that type of thing, and you're trying to stack them up and get them in certain shapes. So No great... real theme in there, is there? No, yeah. no. Not, uh, a lot of fun. None of significance. Okay, so onto the list proper. Number five is Patchwork. Mm-hmm. This is a two-player game by Uwe Rosenberg. And one of the few Uwe Rosenberg games that I like. I'm usually not a fan of, <laughs> of his. What? I know. No, okay, keep going. <laughs> I, can yeah. I can say that. I can say that I'm not a usual fan of his work. I like Uwe. His, Bonanza's
1: his, is a family favorite. That was Doug who doesn't like Uwe. Keep going, Doug.
0: Going <laughs> up. Bonanza, the, the tip of iceberg of Uwe Rosenberg games. Patchwork is a two player game in which you are building a quilt and you are moving your piece around to acquire. Uh, you're not moving your piece. You're moving a piece around to acquire little patches to put on your quilt that have buttons on them, which are currency and victory points. And they're little kind of Tetris-shaped uh, polyomino things that you're trying to fill up your whole quilt with. And, yes, it's got a theme of, of, of a quilt, but you're putting shapes on the board. Yeah, And it's, it's very much got that uh, back-and-forth type of, of game. Uh, nothing about it signifies anything of of building a quilt or patches Um, pretty loose there so is this list all uve rosenberg or no 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 that's (laughs) the only one uh number two what what
1: do you like about patchwork i didn't pick up on that what it's on your recommended it's
0: simple there's a patchwork express that's for younger uh players too and it's just a relaxing back and forth and trying to get that puzzle to work you know there's a very much of a puzzle theme with abstract games of of trying to make it fit you know and that's two player only though right i believe so okay. yes okay um and that is one that for me anyway that efficiency yeah of trying to maximize the space for every open space in your grid you lose points so you're trying to it's got a little bit of a Uh, You need to get your economy going, so you're producing buttons in order to buy more patches, that type of thing. Cool. So, good game. Number two, or number Number four, four. actually, is Tiny Towns. I love Tiny Towns. Now,
1: do you think this is an abstract game? I would not say it's an abstract game, but that's just me. Go ahead.
0: Um, And The reason I have this on the list is because when you're building the towns, you're just placing down cubes. Uh, in polyamino shapes, I think I'm building
1: a massive city.
0: Do but you? I think my my imagination has always been a little bit different than most humans out there. So, and there's not much correlation thematically. And sure, somebody would probably go back and listen to our tiny towns episode and tell me how I'm flip flopping here. But there's not much that really makes me feel like I just built a church, yeah, or I just built the the and the powers f- outside of maybe the farm and the well. There's not, not much that I'm like, oh, yeah, of course that's an in. That makes sense. Um, things like that, that there's not much thematic tie. And essentially, you're just trying to efficiently place the cubes down All right, in now, a good way. W- yeah, go into that. What do you like about the game?
1: Because well, I, I feel like to, with abstract games, we're talking about what, it, what it's not or why it's abstract.
0: Let, well, oh, in this case, yeah. you can go back to our, I mean, this was a recommended game of the week, right? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. so if you want a full explanation of Tiny Towns, go back there. It's a phenomenal game. Easy to pick up, easy to learn, uh, fun puzzle, uh, great uh, production. There's a lot of replayability. Yeah, it's episode
1: 13 was yeah. when we covered Tiny Towns, and it, it continues to be a staple in my household. My entire family loves this game. Uh, we, we've introduced it to friends who are quote-unquote non-gamers. They like this game. Um, it's a game that I am terrible at. I continue to <laughs> score worse each time I
0: play, but talk about just a, a fun, fun game. All right. So, number three is a game called War Chest, which this is a game that to me feels like how I would want chess to kind of be, but with a, there's like a little bit of a, I don't want to say a deck building, but you have units on the board that are cavalry or, uh, swordsmen, archers, things like that. And you are, they're, they're like little poker tiles, poker okay. chips, a really nice quality, really heavy. And then on your turn, you're drawing some of them from a bag. And then that is determining what actions you can do. It's very tactical, very back and forth, that head to head. And I think it goes up to four players. But I think once you go over two, you start playing teams. Oh,
1: cool! And so you're, you're. I haven't played this one. Two I've, uh, against it's been each on other their
0: shelf. I've looked at it, but I haven't played it. And so this one, it, like I said, it feels like it's just a good tactical kind of skirmish game with a lot of interesting choices and decisions that you need to make on a fly. But do I really feel like that's an archer? No. You know, it's, it's yeah. about your position on the board. And the whole point of the game is to try and... Um, put down influence markers okay so you're trying to capture more of the board than your opponent So does this game have game schooling
1: implications or is it more of just a family friendly where where does this hit your list for abstract games?
0: this would fit on the idea it's certainly family friendly maybe a little bit heavier um, but not to the point of of, of not approachable yeah. but a lot of this is those those tactical decisions and and really, the, that critical thinking of analyzing what's going on on the board is where it comes up in a, in a skill level. Um, number two is a game called Reef. Oh, now, Reef is technically reef. about building coral reefs, but it's not, not really. Not really. It's, <laughs> it's about putting chunky tiles down. There's four different colors. They're, the tiles are phenomenal pieces they're not tiles they're little pieces that's such a great game fast that that stack on on each other and when you play a card there's two parts to every card one gives you more pieces to put on your board and the other part scores Scores. and you're usually those two things are never related um but you're basically they give you points for looking down on your board kind of the orientation of the colors and shapes that you have so um you can build them up to, I think, four high is how high they go. Yep. And if you have them in a certain shape, you've got three green in a row, you might score four points for that. If you've got two of those, you're going to score eight. And so constantly balancing the uh, pieces that I'm adding to my board and the ones that score. And they never, like I said, they never coincide. So if if you're adding green pieces to the board, the scoring part on the bottom of the card is not going to score green right. pieces. It's such a fast game. It's one
1: of those games that whenever I've played it, I play it, and then, oh, it's my turn again? Oh, it's my turn again? You you play your piece, and it just comes right back around.
0: Yeah, it's one of those that when you're done playing it, you're like, that's a really good game, and there are a lot of interesting choices, and you don't care. That had nothing to do with a coral reef, Yeah, Yeah. that there's no thematic ties to that whatsoever. Um, Awesome game. And actually, by the same publisher as number one, or very oh, similar, really? which is Azul. Azul, yeah. I yeah. think is my my number one I thought
1: that's where you were going. As soon as you said reef, I thought, oh, he's going to Azul. Yep. Yeah.
0: So Azul is technically about um uh building Portuguese tiles. Portuguese tiles. But that's not really, not really. Coming, coming across. There's no no creative you do there's no creative element to it. It's not like you get to put stuff in a random spot and then uh, make your own Portuguese tile. It's laid out on the board where you put the tiles, and you, it's more about efficiently collecting the tiles to add to your um, window or or wall, your wall um, that you're making. We that was a recommended game of the week episode. Oh, oh I didn't pull it. Oh, I thought you looked that one up.
1: Nope, I just grabbed. Um, sorry, Azul no, okay. was.
0: So Azul, go ahead. No, oh, go, no. Yep. So we talked about Azul as a recommended game of the week. Episode seven. Episode seven. So an early one, great game, uh, readily available. One, one
1: you can if if you're if you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, this is one you can play with your parents. People yeah. talk about that often on podcasts. It's it is an outstanding game, family friendly game. The the pieces are wonderful to hold. You draw yep. them out of a bag and and place them. Uh, There's multiple ways to play. There's two expansions that are also outstanding. Yeah. And those are even Um, standalone. Yeah, So they're
0: full games. They're not even just expansions. Uh, And so one of the things with this list that I wanted to do is show that you can have abstract strategy with minimal theme without... It's not go. It's not chess. It's not just Black pieces versus white pieces, and that type of thing that I don't necessarily think is going to work very well in a classroom. All of these games have stuff to look at, good components that you want to hold in your hand when they're set up on the table, you are attracted to them, even though no, I'm not yeah. you know, it, it takes a one one uh, brick, glass. And a, a stone to build a house in tiny towns. Right. You don't feel like you're collecting the materials to build that. Um, War Chest has chunky tiles. The the, the components uh, pe- are great on piece, these games. Yeah, the po- pieces in Reef feel like chunky little toy parts, and, and Azul's got these great little bakelite tile. Chunky's good,
1: folks, just in case you're listening to us yeah. for the first time in your car. Like, what are these guys talking about? You don't want... a. Uh, uh, Cardboard feels like uh, 1987 Donruss here. Yeah, when you, you don't want that. You, you want a, a nice, chunky
0: plastic piece that— Yeah, we're not talking uh, about old or milk. wood mold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're talking no, this know, is, where chunky would be a bad uh, word. This is no, stuff this that you want to hold in Chunk your hand, you want to play with. And, uh, and so, like I said, I wanted to, to pick out games that are going to draw people to the table— Even though there's very little, oh, this is great. I have two
1: from your list that I are now on my want to playlist both patchwork and war chest. So I'm going to do a five to one if that's okay. Nailed Uh, it. So coming in at number five, we have Uwe Rosenberg's 2014 patchwork, and that comes to us from Lookout Games. That has a weight of 1.63. Just a quick reminder. Uh, one is super simple. Five is super tough. So that's that's will, our scale. It will literally melt, melt your, your brain. brain. Coming in at number four is Peter McPherson's Tiny Towns, which won a ton of awards. And you can hear about it in episode 13. That is published in 2019. Comes to us from AEG is a publisher. That's Aldrock Entertainment Group. Weight of 2.06. Coming in at number three is War Chest. And War Chest is a 2018 game. Designer Trevor Benjamin and David Thompson, the first. And this is also from AEG. Doug, guess the weight on War Chest? 2.6. Close, 2.31. And coming in at number two is Emerson Matsuchi's Reef. And we have done other. Emerson Matsuchi Games' uh, Century Spice Road was a recommended game of the week. And what did I miss on that? Oh, that's published by Next Move Games, Plan B Games, which is now Asmodee, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Uh, That has a weight of 1.83, so very, very easy to learn, even easier to teach. And the number one abstract game Is Azul Michael Kiesling's 2017 award-winning game with a weight of 1.76 out of five. That's a great list, Doug.
0: You know, while you were mentioning that, it made me think that a game like Point Salad would be another one that could have made the list as an abstract. And a you don't normally think of abstract as card games, but that would be one that is all about you know playing that. And it's interesting. I don't know if many people think of card games as abstract, and I don't know what the Variation my, do, my Don Russ
1: made you go there huh when I brought up a little tops no that there, that there
0: are two aeg games in a row <laughs> oh, okay okay um so yeah so that is the uh our high five as of 2021 abstract games uh let's see you know if you're not subscribe to the podcast what are you waiting for? Uh, five-star, five-star, five-star. Yeah, give us some five-star five star reviews. Five star.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome. Sunday, sir.
0: Sunday, Sunday. And then
1: and then take a picture of it and email it
0: to us, and we'll try to get you a game or a shout-out on the pod, something yeah. cool. Uh, look us up on Facebook and like us there. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, all our blog posts get posted there as well when we've got new content. Of course, just check out our website all the time, gameschooler.com. Uh, Our Twitter handle, by the way, is at GameschoolerU. And lastly, most importantly, this is the most important part, guys. I want to thank you personally, from the bottom of my heart. You got to know their name to thank them personally. Otherwise, that sounds somewhat disingenuous, man. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to list all of our listeners right now. (laughs) Settle up. Um, Thank you so much for listening and spending the last hour or so with us. We really appreciate it. Genuinely. Now get out
1: there and start Game schooling.